Chelsea Zaccato. And I'm Natalie Heacock. And this is Lumber Slingers. Each podcast, we will be bringing you relevant and useful industry information, including interviews with top lumber professionals and discussion of current events in the industry. Whether it be lumber grading, industry and market trends, or who's who in lumber, we hope to extend your current tally on industry knowledge. Hey, Charles. Hey, Nat. How's it going? Good. Welcome back. Welcome back. It's been a wonderful summer. I had a lot of debauchery at my bachelorette party and uh, got married. Now we're here. Now we're back. What now about you? We're here. Oh, yeah. You um, planned the debauchery. Thank you. I bought a lot of neon and also had a lot of debauchery. Now I'm back as well. <laughs> you had three bachelorette parties, though. So. Yeah. So we took a nice little break off from the summer. I know we had a lot of fans um, emailing us and asking us when we we're coming back. And here we are. Here we are. Yeah. <laughs> Fans may be an overstatement. It was my mom. I'm just kidding. <laughs> my grandma's been asking me every day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, well, it's good to be back here in this chair with you. I hope everybody enjoyed our last episode on footage conversions with Tina Breen. That was a really fun episode to do. And, and it was our first video that we have done. So if you haven't seen it, Go check it out. And hopefully in the future, we can bring you more videos. Yes. Tina was fantastic. Such a good sport. So thoughtful. She was yes. an awesome, awesome oh episode. So make sure to check it out. Yes. And then this episode is pretty cool. It's um, if you have listened to a previous episode on engineered wood products, we took a stab at re-recording with Dan Semsack from Murphy Plywood. The first interview, there is some really great information. However, the sound quality was not um, what any of us wanted, including Dan. And so we decided we take a stab at re-recording it. So, um, and then luckily I'm on this one. I was sick actually for the last one. So it was kind of fun to be part of this. And we touched on some of the same information. Um, we didn't get through everything. So make sure to check out the other episode. Yeah, I think between the last episode and this one, it's like each time I recorded, I'm like, there's so much information for engineering wood products. And honestly, maybe we will have like a three part series or something just because we I feel like we barely touched on what we, yeah, we barely have. scratched the surface on our questions. And uh, it's a very layered, no pun intended with engineered wood products, but it is a very layered topic. So we'll see what you did there. <laughs> Anyways, well, we hope that everybody enjoys the episode today. And um, I think look for more engineered wood products in the future. And we're, we're back at it. And so hopefully we'll have some good guests coming up and uh, excited to, to be here. And as always, send us an email with any questions. We've had some people reach out with some interesting stuff. So yeah, yeah. We love hearing from you guys and enjoy this episode. Well, today I'm so excited to introduce our next guest. Um, we will be speaking today with Dan Semsack. Dan is the director of engineered wood products for Murphy Company based in Eugene, Oregon. Go Ducks, I think. Dan's been in the wood products industry for over 29 years now, including 18 years at multiple engineered wood product, also known as EWP roles with Willamette Industries, Warehouser, Pacific Wood Tech, and obviously Murphy. He graduated from the University of Montana with a degree in business admin and a minor in Asian studies where he learned Japanese. Dan has served on the NALA board of directors and on several of its committees. He also serves on several committees of the APA, the Engineered Wood Association, 
Murphy Company is a large producer of high quality LVL, which is laminated veneer lumber, softwood plywood and veneer and hardwood plywood, which we will get into. So welcome, Dan. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So uh, University of Montana. Yes, I'm a Grizz. So I do root for the Ducks when I'm down here and they're not playing the Grizz once every four years. So you get to go see that everyone once in four years. Yep. No, thanks for having me. This is my first uh, podcast. So I have not done one uh, before you guys. So this is great. Thanks for being here. We I always run into Dan at events and it's, do you ever run into people so many times you're like, we should probably just be friends. Yeah. We see each other all the time. That's Absolutely. Dan to me. Absolutely. <laughs> and Dan is a huge supporter of the podcast. So we had to have him on. Yes. Thank oh, yeah. you for that, Dan. I think I've listened to every episode. Uh, maybe not your latest one, but I, I will have to catch up on that too. But you have some great guests in there for sure. Yes, we we have been lucky to have some really good guests and hope to continue that. And and look, we've got a great one on today. So <laughs> let's start digging into some of these questions we've got. Just for starters, what is an engineered wood product? Oh, that's a real good question. Uh, in a broad term, it's uh, wood fibers that are glued together in some form for, for a function. And that's pretty broad. But if you... Uh, you know, if you look at the definition from, say, the Engineer Wood Product Association, the APA, theirs would be something like you know, wood fibers are glued together for a structural use. So that includes plywood, OSB, high joist, SCL, which I'll talk about in a second, and mass timber. Uh, it's pretty pretty broad there, but for structural use, it's uh, how APA would look at it. If you, but I like the definition for a lumberyard. So if you went into any lumberyard and you asked them, do, they, do you have engineered wood products? In their mind, they're thinking high joists, LBL, and, and probably glue laminated beams in that. Um, LBL is part of a family called uh, SCL, structural composite lumber. And SCL would be LBL, laminated veneer lumber. It's uh, OSL, oriented strand lumber, and LSL. Laminated strand lumber, lots of acronyms here. And, <laughs> what does and, strand lumber mean? That just means pieces of lumber. Yeah, so basically you're kind of flaking off, you're stranding the log. Mm-hmm. So you're taking flakes uh, off this. There are mm-hmm. various lengths. So a strand would be whatever length that flake would be, depending on what you're going to make out of them. Okay. So, yeah. So there's a, there's another SCL, and that's called um, parallel strand lumber, which is made only by warehousers. There's is that like a I'm patented like, product? Yeah. What's that? Is that a patented product? Pant- um, it was. Wow. It was, <laughs> but it was, but nobody else has uh, wanted to replicate it after the patent expired. Ex- you know, expired. So. Oh, okay. I'm like imagining like a giant cheese grater on a log. Is that what it? Am I in thinking a lot of that? Of ways right? It is. Uh, you know, if you ever see an OSB plant or you get a chance to see an OSB plant, there's this strander or flake it flakes that you know it always be used to be called flake board by a lot of people oh. and, and it is like a big cheese grater and it it slices these strands off the log um shorter ones for osb and then the longer you get you can make other products with them gotcha yeah that's really it's really cool i've seen i think i've seen one like plywood plant before or toured one that was really interesting where they how they peel the logs yep. and make I, it look like a really thin piece. And it's amazing how fast they can peel a log. So Crazy. our company is primarily a veneer producer and we have three veneer peeling plants. And it, if you see it peeled off the log, it's like looking at a, 
roll of paper towel that somebody grabbed the end of and they flipped it as fast as they could. It's coming off there and then being cut into sheets. It's amazing. Really amazing. And then from the sheets, that's when they yeah, so grade it out. Like there's a hole, it's holes in some and maybe holes, not holes in other because of where the branches are. Exactly. Yes. But you know, there's other defects too, as you're familiar with lumber that is rot decay. There's wane that you would get if the log's not perfectly uh, cylindrical. Okay. And, you know, things like that. But yeah, not size is a, is a big factor. And most of the grades for visual grades in veneer come about the knot. And, and oh, they not, do. Not size. Yeah. Most of the grades huh. are, are determined by the knot size or lack of knots. Okay. So for, for like a firewood veneer, are there a lot of grades or just a couple or? There's quite a few. There's, there's strength grades for some, but in general, you're looking at a base grade and, the, and whatever's put on the face for the back. So if you have an AC plywood, it would have an A face, which is mostly free of defects and a C back. And it, that's allows knots that are, you know, a, up to say a couple inches uh, large. And then they have a nickel C, so that is a knot size of a nickel. Uh, they have a, a dime C, therefore size of a dime, things like that. So typically the, the upper grades, the really clear faces, they're, they're hard to get. So a lot of that sort comes in an AB face, it's called. Above that would have been a marine grade, but you don't see that very often. So you have this clearer grade. They're probably the best way to put it. Mm-hmm. And then there's ones that you can plug them or by a plug, you replace for the knot or knot hole is by a plug to give it a better appearance. So you've seen both mm-hmm. patches on, on plywood to, to make it look prettier and, right. and to get rid of those, those knots. So has anybody ever asked for like A on both sides, even though you're not going to see it? Sure. Like they I mean, want the well, most perfect on both sides. Well, you could uh, you could see both sides. It depends on what the product is used for. I can't think of one right now, except for maybe a cabinet where you would have, like, say, a refrigerator cabinet where you could see just inside of it and you can see outside of it. For cabinet wall, you would see both sides. You might have a clear face on each side. That's possible. Generally, okay. that's pretty rare. You would never. You'd almost never see that. And okay. then the inner inner plies are kind of what's left. So. If you have a D face or D, sorry, D back, then you have a very large knot that's loud in the backside. You have veneer, the centers and cores and cross plies inside or, or lower visual grade that you're getting rid of inside the panel where it helps with strength, but doesn't, it's not something somebody's going to see. Right. Right. If you were to cut it open, you could see the, the middle layer is, it's yeah, all it's, glued on both sides, mm-hmm. obviously. Okay. Yeah. I like, one little note about the grades that would be kind of nice in softwood lumber. I like that you said there's a B nickel or a or B a, dime. A dime C and a, yeah, a dime yeah. C nickel C. Dime C nickel C. That helps. I, it's hard for me to reference. Sometimes I have to pull out my grading book to remember what the allowance is per what size of lumber I'm selling on the knots. And so depending on the grade, that's sure. very helpful. <laughs> yeah. You can tell them the size of a coin for what yeah. size of a knot is allowed. You bet. You bet. All right. So we kind of just touched on this, but you you mentioned that there were several different products that fall into the EWP bucket. Um, and can we briefly talk about what, what these differences are? Yeah, that's broad. Like, well, if we look at if we look at the structural grades, so start with what a lumberyard would consider engineered wood products. 
an eye joist is shaped like an eye. So the top or the bottom cords are either solid lumber or usually finger jointed lumber and or it's uh, LVL, laminated veneer lumber for the flanges. And in the center of that, the vast majority of producers in the world are using OSB or either strand board, which I think most people know, but OSB is for the web and it has very high uh, values that work great for an eye joist. And so the and it, it caught from a cost standpoint, the industry has gone that direction. Laminated veneer lumber, um, you know, we talk a little bit more about that, but that's strength grade veneer. And that's what we produce at Murphy. The veneer strength grade or stress rated veneer, some people will call it, uh, is put through a machine that will send sound waves through the piece, through the veneer sheet. And then you separate that by strength, by how fast it goes through there. Huh. So the faster the sound goes through a sheet of veneer is a good indication that it's stronger than the one that goes slower through because of density and various other factors. So wow. the, so the fastest ones, that's the highest grade. And then you have a middle grade and and below that. So we call the G1 is the fastest, G2, G3, G4. And then like, we do them. Go ahead. Like G-force. Yeah. So, then you do a mix of those to make your LVL depend on how strong you want it. So stronger you want your LVL, the more G1s you have in there. And the weaker you want it, then you know, you, you can only get so low on your design values because a lot of these species are quite strong. Douglas fir is very strong. But the other factor is that with LVL, it has a defect in it that's only as thick as the veneer. So for instance, when you're selling lumber, your defect might be a knot that's say an inch and a half thick, or a sorry, an inch and a half wide, but it might go all the way through the piece. So that defect is now say an inch and a half. Where on when you're making it with laminated veneer lumber, that knot is only an eighth of an eighth of an inch. And so the defect in one sheet is offset by the strength in the next. Mm. So that's why engineered wood products, and particularly LVL, why it's so much stronger and more predictable than solid lumber is because you're spreading out those defects and offsetting it with strength of, of the next piece. So is that all done automated, the strength grading? Uh, yeah, generally. So it's uh, run through a grading uh, scanner. There's two of them. One grades for strength or this sound wave, puts a sound wave through it and separates it out into, tells the computer that this one would make a G1 or a G2 or a G3, for instance. And then there's a, a visual scanner. And the visual scanner then will look at the knot size and other defects to determine if, if it would make LVL. So if it if it made it from a sound wave, made it through to the G1, but the corner was broken, then it's going to send that off to something else because it won't work for LVL. Or if there's uh, bad splits or knot sizes too large, then that would kick it out of this G1 grade, for instance. And so... Um, these two work in tandem, these two grading lines. They, they, they're one right after another. And then within that, then they also test the, the moisture content. You might test the roughness of the veneer and those various factors. But splits are a big one. Knots are, are a big one in, in determining how you can use it further down the line. And if it's too pretty, which, you know, if it has an AB face, it's worth more usually to put it into a plywood base for somebody who's looking for that that mm. nicer looking product. And so we separate out those nicer AB faces and sell those off to another manufacturer, or we use it internally to make our own plywood 
and uh, that's worth more money. You're just you're merchandising that way. So LVL, it doesn't need to look pretty because it's used as a framing grade generally. And uh, that's usually up, you know, in your ceiling, behind sheetrock. You're just not typically going to see the, the LVL. So I tell people it's kind of like the other fish, ugly stick fishing pole. It's very strong. It doesn't have to be pretty, but it's very strong. Mm-hmm. So, so LVL is typically used in, you know, building homes or like you said, like behind the wall, basically. Is there anything else that they might be used for? Well, so LVL generally is a beam and header because the LVL, the way it's made, it's made, for instance, uh, a lot of it's unidirectional. So with plywood, your veneer is alternating. So you're looking for a sheer strength value in plywood because of its usage. Same with OSB. And how to explain sheer is if you imagine your house uh, or house cards, for that matter, if you, you push on it with wind or an earthquake, it's going to rack. And so you need it to, to have some shear value there to keep that from racking. And so you have the veneer going two different directions to offset each other. So that's a um, cross-ply mm-hmm. for the inner plies. With LDL, typically, the vast majority, it's all going unidirectional. And uh, because of that, it makes a great beam. It doesn't have as high a shear, but because all the veneers go in one direction, but it... it uh, will carry a lot of weight. And so you're, you're looking at two things there. You're looking at your MOE, which is modulus elasticity, basically the stiffness of the beam or the eye joist. Um, and so if you're walking across the floor and it's kind of bouncing, you know, it's, you can hear the, the dishes in the china cabinet, which nobody has anymore, I guess. But you, know, you hear that thing rattling in the curio cabinet, then and that's the deflection. That's where your MOE, your stiffness comes in. And then there's, an, an MOR, modular rupture, uh, which is basically how much beam, how much the beam will carry. So how much load can you put on it? So in the LVL, it's used as a beam and header. It, a header is usually above a window or a door. And if you had a sliding glass door, for instance, you wouldn't want the wall above it or the roof above it to sag into that door and prevent it from opening. So you need a good sturdy beam in there, and LVL is a great, a great alternative for that. Sometimes it's used as studs if somebody wants straight walls. So if you use lumber to frame your walls, oftentimes you have to crown the lumber because it's not perfectly straight. And you try to crown them all the same way so you don't see waves in your sheetrock when you look down the wall. Mm. But if, say, you have a bathroom or a kitchen cabinets that you want to put up, that wall you might want to do and an SCL, including LDL, that it's, it's perfectly straight. And then you don't have to use as many shims. And, you know, it looks, it's perfectly straight so that it's a lot easier for putting in cabinets and tile and, and those type of things. Other products would be a scaffold plank is one product that's used out there. And LDL is either solid lumber or LDL, uh, concrete bracing and shoring. So that's something that would hold up the plywood that's going up against concrete. So the LVL typically isn't against the concrete, but it holds plywood, it holds those forms together to pour your concrete before it cures. The other, it's, you know, there's some other usages. Some will use it for windows and door parts. That's fairly minimal compared to being better market, but it is, it is also significant. It has its, uh, its markets. You know, a lot of these new windows, particularly how big they are, they want, something strong and stable 
in it, and uh, LVL fits that bill. So some manufacturers, there's only really a couple of them in North America that will put a crossband in it. And the crossband is you put a couple of sheets going the other direction to keep that product more stable. So if you didn't want it to warp, so say you had it in the you know the bottom of a door is using a bigger piece, the solid you don't see a window usually in the bottom of a door where you want that warping. So you'd want something in there with a crossband, and it would keep that from from warping. And so some LVL used uh, for those type of things. Wow, it's a. I just have a question for those of us who are in sales. When you're a salesperson selling LVL or EWP, yep. you must have to know a lot about like the strength grades and construction and like the salespeople at Murphy, do they need to understand all the ins and outs of these applications and what kind of weight that it can bear and kind of all that type of stuff? Or do you depend on, you know, the next part of the supply chain to worry about that? We all work in partnership. So in general, the salesperson doesn't necessarily need to, Uh, they do need to understand the basics of engineered wood usages, um, what can get you into trouble, where to find the right answer. I mean, I think with any sales position, you don't have to know the answer. You just need to know what questions to ask and you need to know where to find the answer when somebody has one. But there's uh, engineers that are involved. Most manufacturers have an engineer on staff or uh, we rely on the APA for helping with our testing and coming up with those design values. And then APA, the Engineer Wood Product Association, they audit what we make uh, constantly and then check our QC records to make sure that we're making it like we say we're supposed to make it based on design values that they helped us set up based on our fiber. So um, then on down the line, your, your customers, the, the distributors or retail yards might have a designer on staff and they're using software from the manufacturer that we all provide. We all provide some kind of software, uh, whether it's our own or, or a third party that can use and, and evaluate that particular situation to see if this beam would use would work for it. Or you might you might have to use a bigger beam or a bigger eye joist uh, if the if more strength is needed or load it depends on how much load it's going to carry. Right. Okay. So, there is an there is an infrastructure there that all, all the way down the line. Yeah, I'd be very intimidated, but like you said as long as you know where to find the resources and what yes. you do need to know, then you figure it out as, as we all do. Yep. <laughs> so I know we probably didn't touch on all these EWPs that you talked about. Um, are there any other engineered wood products that you want to mention well, that you think are pretty cool that, that you've well, been involved in? Well, you had uh, Kelsey from Zippo on for who laminated beams. So I, you know, people could listen to your podcast uh, with Kelsey and, and, and listen to uh, what she has to say about Gulam beams. But Gulam beams are similar to uh, LVL in the, in the fiber usage. So you're using different grades of fiber to come up with the strength that you need. With the Gulaminated beam, you're using your highest strengths on the outside and you use less so, less, lesser grades in the inner part because they're not as important in those particular positions in the, in the engineered product. But with engineered wood products, you're you're trying to use the best use of fiber and, and also use up the entire log. So we use, you know, the, the strength grades for our LBL and then we use some of the, well, the rest of the veneer for our plywood grades that we can use up the entire log that way. 
Then there's mass timber. Mass timber is probably the latest and greatest that, that everybody's talking about. And mass timber is fairly broad. It, you know, in the name, it's massive, big, right? And big timbers, but it's also, it's engineered. So the most common one that you would hear out there is, is CLT, and that's cross-laminated timber. So the cross is that you're taking plies of lumber, so not veneer, but plies of lumber, and you're alternating those kind of similar to plywood. So every other layer is alternating. You'll have a three-ply, a five-ply, seven-ply. Kind of like Jenga. Yes, yeah, it is. It really is. And so you're, it's laminated, so you're gluing all that together, and it and you know it's timber. It's made out of wood, so you're cross-laminated timber, and that's probably the most common one. And there's that's several manufacturers across the world that are making that now, and it's probably the fastest growing of all the engineered wood products because it's starting from a very small footprint to try to gain market share. The, along with CLT, there's dowel laminated timber, DLT. There's tons of acronyms in this. So the dowel laminated timber, you could imagine, is, looks like a glue laminated beam. The dowels are holding that together, and it's laid on its side. So it, it'd be similar to looking at a glue beam laid on its side, and it's used to make these panels in that direction. It has different design values than a CLT. But the DLT, NLT, that's nail laminated timber. So similar to dowel, but it's nailed together as in a name. And then Do they G- not use, if you're using a dowel or a nail, are you still using glue or no? Because you have the other. Um, they you know that's a good question. I think in the dowel, they are the nail, they're not. Um, okay. But but I don't I don't know the answer to that one, actually. That glue is nasty stuff. Yeah, well, it depends on what you're, <laughs> what you're using. And then there's a glue laminated timber. So that is a glue laminated beam that's engineered a little bit different than a, than a glue lamb beam. But a GLT is laid, is basically a glue lamb beam that's laid on its side. And then there's a new product out there uh, that Ferris makes. And it's an MPP. This is another one, mass plywood panel. And that is using a, a veneer instead of lumber. But they take the veneer and they lay up an LVL product. And they may or may not put a cross plan, uh, a cross ply in that, but but then when they lay it up into thicker layers, they will take, for instance, a one inch LVL, and they will turn it the next one the other direction and glue those together. So they can make a very big one and and use a little bit less fiber because they're spreading out those defects more than you would with lumber that's glued or nailed or doweled together. Interesting. I was Googling pictures while you were talking about them yeah. and the, the dowel laminated timber, just like you say, it's interesting if you're listening to just Google a dowel laminated timber. Cause yeah, the dowels are going straight through the, the lumber. What it looks like is like solid pieces of lumber and then dowels going through it yeah, so uh, horizontally. It's like a glue laminated beam, except that the dowels are you know, top to bottom, but then you lay it on its side as its usage. So Right. Yeah. And, then and then the nail laminated is just like what it sounds like, like yes. you said. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot Stack, of nails. <laughs> stacked up lumber that's nailed together, right? Yes. So the one thing about all this is that the, that lumber, they're using it long lengths. So they are finger joining it together. So you'd see that in an eye joist. You'd see that in in CLT or or NLT, DLT, glue laminated timber, any of that. They, you know, they're they're not typically buying lumber that's 40 feet long. So right, one it. solid piece, right? Yeah. It's, they're, they're buying various and they're they're finger joining those together. 
Typically, it's an MSR grade and another acronym, machine stress rated lumber. And MSR lumber, um, you're testing each piece to, to see how strong it is. And then you might use those strongest pieces on the outer fiber, like they wouldn't blend beam and the ones with less strength in the center. And then that would be the same with a CLT. They would use their higher grades on the top of the bottom of the sandwich. And then the center of the sandwich would be lesser grades that are holding it, still holding it together and offering shear, but not offering as much in compression and tension that you would need mm. there. I see. So okay, that's a lot of different ways to make these yes. <laughs> engineer yes. wood products. So what would you say overall? What type of problems are these uh, products solving? Well, um, you know, there was a guy that I used to work for, this uh, Mike St. John. He was the first residential salesperson for an iJoist ever. Worked for Trust Joist when they started up their residential side. Mike used to say that uh, we take a tree apart and we put it back together better than Mother Nature. That was one of his <laughs> great lines. And that's typically really what we do. We take take that apart and, and glue it back together to minimize variability. You're trying to come up with a predictable piece of, of wood product that mm-hmm. you, you know, you have consistency among the pieces, not yeah. like just salt, salt lumber. Not that I'm just saying salt lumber by any means. <laughs> Watch your mouth. Yes, exactly. Mike also used to say, he used to answer his phone. It's a great day to be in the engineered wood industry. He used to say that every, that's how his voicemail went whenever you called. Oh, oh I great, like that. Great guy. But unfortunately, <laughs> Mike left us several years ago, but he was just a fantastic guy. I wonder what he answers this one with now. It's a great I, day to. I don't know. No, he passed. He, I'm sorry. Oh. No, he passed oh. years ago. So sorry. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's great. He would laugh at that. Oh, you mean he's really. <laughs> yeah. It's a great you, day you, to be in heaven. Yes. You can okay. laugh at that because Mike would too. He's that kind of a guy. <laughs> that, uh, he had a very good sense of humor. Rest in peace. Mike. So I'm not sure I answered your question there. Um, I think you put it very you? well um, because. Overall, there's so many different EWPs that are they're solving mm-hmm. a lot of problems, but yeah. mostly you're making a, you're putting together a product, a tree back together in a way it's more structurally sound and solves pro- problems for engineers and yeah. building and it's, and then and also what's that panel? I was just going to say, and it sounds sustainable. I mean, you're using yeah. the whole tree. the whole log. Yeah, what I was about to say, we were oh. just all about to say the same thing. So, so, you know, one thing I'll say is, is with the engineered wood products, a lot of this came about in trying to use as much fiber out of the log as you can get, right? And with LVL, you don't necessarily, you don't need a big tree to make LVL. So you peel this, same with glue laminated beam, right? You're, you're taking smaller logs, you can take smaller logs, and you peel those, and then you are, have a more consistent product that is predictable in, in its usage. And that's what I, I think really helps in that, using engineered wood and what sells it. As far as an example of that, one is pretty much everybody that watches HGTV knows <laughs> what a LDL is. And the reason why I say that, if you watch uh, you know, Chip and Joanna Gaines, they're talking about you know opening up this house and we're gonna have the open concept, that's the big thing. And the open concept is, gee, we need to take this wall out between the kitchen and the dining room or the living room and have this open concept. Well, in order to do that, they're taking LVL generally. 
they match it up to the size of the joists that might might already be in there. So if there's some old two by tens or two by twelves, they put this piece of LVL and you hide it up into the ceiling. So now you have this open concept. And what's happening in new construction is that they're designing it that way. So they design it with the LVL in there and the joists, whatever they are, I joists or or uh, solid lumber or open web joists, that they would match up to the LVL and then you hide that in the ceiling. And you have this great concept, this great uh, room concept that everybody likes in HGTV. Mm-hmm. So that solves a the problem there. That's one of many. That, right. Thanks to iJoists. Chip and Joanna Gaines owe a lot to i. Well, actually, yeah, all of HG, all of HGTV owes a lot to engineered wood products. They do. I would have to say. Yeah, you know, and, and I actually heard somebody say this a while back that uh, you'll never, you never hear Chip and Joanna Gaines talk about iJoists, but they talk about LVL quite often. And um, so there's a there's LVL is growing in its market share, uh, partly because of this great room concept. So basically, somebody needs to get a meeting with Chip and Joanna and yeah. <laughs> have them yes. sponsor iJoists. No, I'm just kidding. Maybe. They could probably have their own brand on that and people would buy it or request it. Yeah. <laughs> that is very true. Very true. So of all the products that we talked about, which one do you think is growing the fastest? Right now, it's probably mass timber, but part of that is because it started off so small. And so it's a, right now, it's still boutique. It's catching on very fast and there's a lot of companies that have been investing in it in trying to get into CLT. I think they're investing in it faster than the market's growing. And so margins probably aren't the greatest for, for a lot of that because of it. Uh, they're also using the CLT for various products that uh, probably don't pay as well. Um, I'll give you an example. There's a, an equipment mat or crane mats that it oftentimes it's used for. Um, but they really want to put it in buildings and, and they get paid better in buildings than they can for crane mats. Uh, and the crane mat industry is, you know, where you go hide wood, at least in my opinion. And you can go, <laughs> go and not, not screw up your own market. You got to keep everybody employed. The other is these buildings, they take a long time to make the panels for the buildings, but they go up very, very fast. There's a famous building up in the University of British Columbia this large CLT building that went up, it was, I think it's 11 stories or 13 stories. You know, it took months to build the panels for that building and it went up in 13 days, if I'm not mistaken. Wow. So you can imagine you make all these panels and you get storm somewhere and then you wait and then you hope that there's not some delays in the project. You're going to plug your warehouse with that. The other is that the, the projects come along infrequently. So Typically with CLT, you're bidding out projects that are three to five years out in many cases. Wow. So you can imagine the salesperson sweating over that one, right? Mm-hmm. What's no lumber kidding. prices going to do with the fiber? Which a lot of them got bit these last two years. The lumber prices rocketed up. That was a big challenge for them. But it's it's really the CLT, what's great about it, it's not just CLT, sorry, Mass Timber, what's great about it is that it doesn't necessarily compete in the the single family side, it's really going after or the commercial buildings. And so those are typically made with concrete steel. And uh, now they'll be made either out of mostly CLT or there'll be some hybrid construction that will use concrete for the podium or the bottom part of the, cut of the building. You might use steel for, for some reinforcement or even the studs. 
Um, and then you could use CLT or mass timber for the floor slabs. And typically, which is concrete, and you got to wait a week for the concrete to cure before you get on it and, and then brace it so it doesn't have any problems until it's fully cured. With these mass timber, you can just lay those in and kind of blow and go. And right. uh, so it's really appealing to uh, speed of construction. It does satisfy this carbon capture because you're taking mm-hmm. carbon in a tree and you're cutting it up something into a permanent building. And so you're locking in carbon for, for long periods of time. And uh, so politicians also like it because it uses timber from rural states, right? And there's a lot of rural states out there. So, you know, for instance, a Republican from Georgia would be for CLT and then you get an environmentalist from California would be for, for mass timber because you're locking in carbon. And the, the politician in Georgia might be happy to bring in jobs to the timber industry. And as right. you, you and I know very well, the, the more trees, so the more wood that somebody uses, the more trees that we plant, right? It's a crop. And, right. and uh, you know, wood is very sustainable and They've done a good job on the mass timber of promoting that. You know, because of HDTV, uh, LVL is in high demand, and we like that particularly now. And uh, but but mass timber is probably the fastest growing. Which to your question, I wonder how the market running up the last couple of years has changed, or if it has changed at all the mass timber industry. Um, but yeah. if you you know it's three to five years out, then yeah, I mean, there's some buildings that are faster than that, but generally not. It's changed in that uh, I suppose it's more acceptable now, but as far as the product goes, but what changed was how you price the product, right? The lumber prices, they shot up. A lot of these bids were out there well in advance and these companies got bit. Uh, you know, so the investors in those companies were probably sweating through a lot of that. And then a lot of those folks that they had out so far did not have clauses in them, which probably now do that if, wood fiber fluctuations happen and they're protected a little bit more. Mm -hmm. I would bet that's what's changed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But as far as the engineer wood products side, the die joist LDL, there was a specification. There is a specification out there that trust choice. They, they really dominated the market for many years as they got going and introduced engineered wood products to the marketplace. So a lot of architects and engineers were specifying only trust choice, which help trust choice dealers and distributors quite a bit. But what happened during COVID was everybody went on allocation and then you needed mm. to substitute. So this spec for uh, a trust choice spec has pretty much gone away. And it was There were some areas, particularly Southern California and what they call the lower mainland, which is Vancouver, BC area. Those were very heavy to trust choice. And now... They've gotten used to using other products because they weren't available. And so they're they're willing to use other manufacturers' products as long as they're engineered and they're certified. It's predictable. They have software. And so they might do a multi-spec, say it's okay to use you know, these various manufacturers, or you could use an LPL that meets this grade for these design values. So that's changed over the last couple of years in this market. I think that's one thing that we've learned is uh, at a certain point, people will find an alternative when they need to. It's not, you know, just because you have one product that's selling really well and is the preferred, if it gets to the point where you can't get it or it's too expensive, the next guy is going to be behind you making the alternative product and the buyer is going to want to buy it. 
that's with inflation. They say the cure for high prices is high prices, but you know, commodity commodity prices always have to come down. They they cannot stay up forever. And you have innovation and you have substitution. And innovation might be you know engineered wood. And I give you an example there. In Australia, they use traditionally they've used hardwood, which grow which grew readily in Australia for making their houses. And the hardwood is very strong. And uh, they when as those trees became less available, they needed something as strong to, to just substitute in there. Instead of redesigning houses, they wanted something that would just substitute right in. And so LDL fit that bill. We could engineer it to meet the same grades as the hardwood lumber. And then they could just drop that same size and grade into the same usage in the house that they had traditionally been building. So it's and much more cost effective than hardwood. Yeah, in the long run, because the hardwood had gotten quite expensive. All right, guys. With that, it's time. Okay. For rapid (laughs) fire. Drum roll, please. Sure. All right. You ready, Dan? Yes. I what think. is, <laughs> what's the last book you read? But I tell people the last book I finished, because I'm very I'm notorious at starting books and not finishing them, was uh, Shoe Dog. That was uh, about Nike. It's very good. I highly recommend it. Uh, is that because is, you're in Eugene? That's why you read it? No, I actually read it before I moved down here. But uh, the, the um, one that I've got on my nightstand that I've not finished yet, which I think is fantastic and like I said, unfortunately, I didn't finish yet, but it influences your superpower. And it's a, a woman by the name of Zoe Chance, which I highly recommend. It's very, very good. At least what I've read so far, I've made it about two thirds of the way through and and I keep meaning to get back to it. You will. You can I do it. Yes. <laughs> Describe the lumber industry in one word. Really, it's uh, relationships. And I, and I know others have said that on here too, but it really comes down to that. You know, we're all involved in, in NALA, North American Coastal Lumber Association. And, you know, when we all get together, it's uh, those relationships. But relationships bring about opportunities to get through problems. You know, everybody's got an issue that they need solved and uh, helping them along with that would, would, would be great. Okay. And last. What's your favorite thing about the industry? Favorite thing? I'd say really is people. I mean, dealing with with you two for a couple right there. But, uh, you know, it's really getting to know people. Thank you. And yes. It, you know, there's so many things that we have in common, not just the wood products industry, but you get to know people and their families and, and mm-hmm. what really is important in life. So touching. Nice to leave on that note. Wait, I have one. Oh, sorry. I got one because I know that I know Nat. We got three minutes, but I got one question. Okay. I thought this would be a fun one to ask. What does your best Saturday look like? On the weekend, you're not at work. What is your most ideal Saturday consist of? Gosh, probably fishing, which I haven't gone for a while, but it's just so peaceful to get out there and it's just you in the pole and where you go. So oh, it's fantastic. <laughs> Fishing is great. I was going yes. to ask you if you would take my nine-year-old, but then when you used the word peaceful, I thought, never mind. Well, yeah. I remember my, my dad, there was five of us kids and my dad used to take us out fishing and it was always his goal to set us on this one rock where and we would constantly <laughs> catch. And it was a huge rock. It was big enough for, for six of us to sit on and, he would catch fish left and right. And so the whole way, he'd take forever to get there. 
And the reason being is because when he got to the rock, he knew he'd never get to fish. <laughs> and so he would fish all the way to the rock. And then we would get to fish. And then he oh, would be, yeah, helping cute. us the entire time. <laughs> How's that? I like it. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Dan. Appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, we covered, there's lots to cover in this and plenty of acronyms, that's for sure. There's lots of acronyms. We could maybe do terms of the trade with you. I think that would be a good one. Oh, yeah. There you go. Yeah. I could be right up there with (laughs) Terry. Yeah. (laughs) All righty. Awesome, Dan. Thanks so much. One last is a plug for the Knowledge Traders Market. We look forward to seeing you. That's right. We'll see you in November in Phoenix. All right. Take Raiders care. Market 22. All right. Thanks, Dan. Bye-bye.